Hey, good evening, everybody. I hope everyone's doing good. It is wonderful to get to spend a few minutes with you tonight on uh, this good Friday. Amazing. So it's a, a amazing time of year for the body of Christ, for those of us who connect ourselves to the ideology and doctrines of Christianity. And uh, we are moving into uh, one of my favorite times of the year where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, it is truly because of His resurrection that we're here today. I'm so thankful for the body of Christ physically and spiritually. During this time, uh, almost 2,000 years ago, what you and I call the body of Christ today, the church, was being purchased with the body of Christ as he laid down his life. And uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing for us to think about the, uh, the true power of redemption. It's a testimony that I think whether you were born in the church or had never been in a church, that the power of the cross is that it brings all of us to a level playing field. So rich, poor, young, old, uh, social status becomes irrelevant. It doesn't matter. We were born in the image of God, shaped in, in his, his image at creation, and then sin entered into the picture by the first man, Adam, and the second man, Adam, through redemption's plan, through Calvary and the cross, took away that stigma of that we would always be a sinner. And I'm thankful that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. But the power of this week, of this weekend coming up, of which I am extremely excited about because this Sunday we will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The religious world calls it Easter Sunday and we celebrate it as his resurrection day. But I live in his resurrection every day. How about you? So um, this season, is it's just cool. It's amazing. However, um, this night was not so amazing in uh, Jerusalem, for there was a lot of pain, a lot of panic. People were frantic because the Messiah that they had put all of their hope in, they watched him be crucified, nailed to a tree, and blood ran down his forehead from a crown of thorns that was put on him. And... I cannot imagine the excruciating pain that he went through. And when I think about the fact that he did all of that for me, I'm truly humbled tonight. I wanted to spend uh, just a few minutes with you and uh, talk to you about this Passover week, to talk to you about why it's so important to us. Uh, what all of this means to you and I as, as children of God and how this still affects us today. So I'll begin by 
taking you to the Old Testament where the Passover begins, um, of which Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, and we'll read it together in Luke 22 in just a minute. So if you don't have your Bible, go get it, and uh, we'll break a little bread together. But in the Old Testament, when the Passover began, it happened because God was leading his children out of the bondage of Egypt, and he was moving them into a wilderness experience, obviously, for 40 years, but in the direction of their promised land. And on that fateful Passover night, the Lord had spoke through Moses, who was the deliverer of God's children, and said, tell my people that they need to have the blood applied to the doorpost and the lintel of their home. To take a lamb into their home. Oh, how powerful this is in the season that you and I are in right now. At this point in the Passover story, it became irrelevant what everybody else did in their household. It was a moment that Moses was bringing the children of Israel to an understanding that through the next 40 years of wilderness experience and for the next years in the promised land till the coming of the Lord, it matters what you do in your house. Your neighbor's blood of their lamb on their doorpost and their lentil, it doesn't save your house. You've got to be sure that your house is taken care of. And so on that night, the scripture leads us to understand that the Lord passed through Egypt and he said that wherever I don't find blood on the doorpost and the lintel, that the firstborn of that household will die. The scripture said there was a great cry in Egypt that night and I can't, I can't fathom the pain that was going on there in Egypt that night. But here's the truth. Let's all be honest. While some were sad and their household was wrecked and reeked with havoc and brokenness and grief, there were some families in Egypt that night that were relieved because they realized that what God had told Moses was in fact true, that it was the blood of a lamb that would make a difference in the salvation of their home. And I want to tell you tonight, the blood will still make a difference in your home. It still matters. It matters whether or not you have the blood applied to your house. It matters. Now, there's coming a day of, of exit as we leave Egypt, this world, which Egypt has been a type and shadow of, of the world through the scripture. There's coming a day, I believe, that that same great God will descend from heaven again and he will pass through this earth just as he did that night in Egypt in the Passover. And he will be looking for those who have applied the blood to their home, to their life, to their family. And I am very grateful tonight to have the blood applied to my life. I hope everybody's doing good. 
thank you for tuning in, for spending a few minutes with me. And uh, I wanted to just take you, if I could tonight, in the scripture to the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 22. We're just going to read a few verses there. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 13. Now, I want you to understand uh, the setting of the scripture that Jesus is, is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. Jesus was a Jew. And so as a Jewish man born to a Jewish mother, uh, Jesus lived the life of a Jewish man. He practiced what you and I now today call Judaism. Jesus uh, celebrated the seven feasts. He kept the feast. Jesus went to the temple to pray. He was uh, very much involved in the culture of his teachings, uh, of the commandments of the scripture. And so this is the setting now. The Passover happens first in Egypt, but here all the way in the New Testament, after the birth of, of the Messiah, after the birth of Christ, he is still keeping to those traditions. This shows me that it's very, very important generationally that we as the body of Christ do not stop passing traditions down, whether by word or epistle, to our children. Because this week, all over the world, there are brothers and sisters that are still celebrating Passover, Pesach. They're celebrating the Passover this week. That was established over 4,000 years ago. And people say it's not important to pass this down. It is. It's very important. And I don't ever want my children to forget the power of what it means to be set free by the blood of not a lamb, but the lamb. So in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 13, they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Can you imagine what was on his mind? For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Now verse 17 is where this gets really important. This is what I want to talk to you about for a few moments tonight. I wish so very badly that we were meeting together in the house of the Lord to take communion tonight. But let's just feast on the word together a little bit. Could we do that? Verse 17. And he took the cup and gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God 
shall come. Verse 19, and he took the bread. He took the bread, and here it is again, and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. He took the cup and he took the bread and he blessed it. He blessed it before he broke it. He blessed the cup before he divided it to the men. It was blessed. Now, this bread of the Passover, this, this communion, as you and I call it now in the 21st century church, when we have communion together, we're doing it in remembrance of him. It is really celebratory of the Passover. But this Passover bread that he breaks, some call this, this communion time the Eucharist. Have you ever wondered where that comes from, the Eucharist? Where in the world did people come up with that? Communion sounds a little bit easier. Eucharist. The word Eucharist comes from from the Greek word, Eucharistia. Now, my Greek is terrible. If you haven't ever noticed, my English is, is not very good. And my, my Greek, I told Brother Jeremy Lang today, I said my Hebrew is even worse. But the word Eucharistia appears in the Scripture. But this may surprise some folks because the word does not mean bread. Although that is often what they refer to when they say the Eucharist. They're speaking of the bread. The word Eucharistia does not mean bread. But what it does mean is to give thanks or to say a blessing. To give thanks or say a blessing. Now think about this. We, in the 21st century church, we look at the bread, at the, the loaf of bread, and we call it the Eucharist as some would. In other words, the focus is on the provision, the bread that was to be broken. But the context of the scripture leads us to understand that the focus was not on the bread, but actually that this was the blessing that Jesus the Messiah said over the bread and the wine. That the Eucharistia is not the bread, it is the blessing over the bread. It is the blessing over the wine. It's a Hebrew blessing that is known as the motzi. In English, the the translated English version of the Hebrew motzi is, Blessed are you, Lord, 
our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. The Eucharistia is not the bread. It is the blessing of thanks for the bread. The, Brother St. Clair, where, where, where are you going with this? Where, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out why we're talking about this tonight. There's a good reason. I'm excited to talk to you about it too because it teaches us a principle. The night was not about the bread. It was about being thankful for the, for the bread, blessing the bread. And the principle is that life does not just consist of objects, but rather the blessings that we say over them. I want to tell you tonight, family, it really doesn't matter how much you have or do not have. The poorest among us tonight that's watching this broadcast the poorest among us are wealthy. We're so blessed. Even in this season of, of chaos, my mother, my mother was saying last night we were, we were praying together, and, and she said, you know, there's a difference. I'm, I'm not quoting her verbatim. I, I want to get a principle to you. My mother said, you know, there's a difference and being inconvenienced and suffering. And we're really not, we're not suffering. Even in all of this crazy chaos, we're not suffering. I mean, I, I'm just being honest. I, I don't want this to sound braggadocious whatsoever, but I, I haven't missed a meal unless I chose to. I mean, I, I haven't stopped praying and fasting during this season. If anything, we're turning up the intensity. But I'm, I'm saying to you that as far as my needs being met, I haven't missed a single meal. My family and I have, we've eaten. And then we get bent out of shape because we're inconvenienced. There is a vast difference in suffering and simply being inconvenienced. It doesn't matter how much we have. It doesn't matter how much we don't have. What matters is that we're grateful for what we do have. God has been good to us. The favor of God is on his people. I was, uh, I was looking a little bit earlier today at a post that I've been waiting for for days. I, I very seriously doubt that, that Andrew or Chelsea will either one see this broadcast, but we have all been holding Andrew Cofield before the Lord over the last several days as he was diagnosed with COVID and had a, man, he had a, he had a battle on his hands, had been in the hospital. It was horrible. But he came through the battle and today I read the post. This time it was not Chelsea posting. It was Andrew because God 
had touched his body. And he gave honor and glory to God, that God had brought him out. Church, I'm telling you, I believe that God is greater than this sickness. But even in the midst of this sickness, we need to be counting our blessings, the goodness of the Lord, what God has done for us. I think it's easy for us to get focused on what, what we don't have right now. I got tickled the other day as I started reading online, people going to the store and they were ticked off because they couldn't get a particular brand of something that they liked. I mean, God forbid if you have to change your brand of chicken stock so that you have to get a different kind of stock to make your chicken and noodles and your soup while there are other people in the world that are starving. You understand what I'm saying? I, I think we're a little spoiled rotten. I think we're, I think we're by far more blessed than, than sometimes we want to admit that we are. I've testified of this several times online talking to you, but uh, I give God praise for what he's done for the people of this church. We have a few that, that have been laid off. We have a few that their, their job situation is not ideal right now. They're not going back to work for a few more days, but you know what? They're not starving. You know why? Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. God's got his hand on his people. God's faithful to us. So it doesn't matter how much we have. It matters how grateful we are about what we have. I read a quote that I, I want to share with you. I, I thought it was very interesting. Very, very interesting. The quote says, The one who is rich in possessions but poor in thankfulness is, in the end, poor. But the one who is poor in possessions, but rich in giving thanks, is, in the end, rich. Think about that. I want to be rich. I think that's the story of prosperity TV preachers. God wants you to be rich, but you know what? I'm, I'm not a TV preacher. Tonight I'm an internet speaker and I'm just coming to you to tell you you're already rich. The blessings of the Lord are on your life, on your family. We're rich. We're blessed. God's been good to us. If we're not careful, we're going to get distracted in this season. I've been very, very careful over the last few days because... I find myself griping about how I want things to be different and I'm ready to get back together in the church and for us to come together and have revival. And it's easy to get unthankful. It's easy for us to get unthankful. And although uh, I certainly don't want to go chasing rabbit trails here, but I think there's probably a little bit of overreach going on right now. I think there's the government probably getting involved in some things that they have no business getting involved in. I think we're all trying to be good neighbors and exercise judgment here and wisdom. And it's another story for another day. I, I, I just, I don't want to get off on this too far, but I think we need to be very, very careful about twisting the scripture right now because 
the power of Romans 13 and Matthew 16 and 18 have nothing to do with what some are saying it has to do with. But it's easy for us to get ungrateful because the truth of the matter is that right now, while here in America, some of us are griping about how we're having to do church. I want to tell you that there's probably some little old preacher somewhere in China tonight that would love to be able to have internet service, would love to be able to get online and speak to his church family. We're blessed. We're beyond blessed. It's incredible how good God has been to us. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. This is powerful what happens in your mind when you start getting ungrateful. You know, Paul told his son in the gospel in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. He said, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7 is absolutely amazing. This sounds a little bit like Job. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Here it comes. I hope you've got your big boy britches on, as they say. Verse 8. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Let us therewith be content. Verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let us be content, verse 8. Understand this, church. We've got to understand the power of contentment. And, and I'm, I'm, again, I, I, don't want, I don't want to get off track here. But I want to tell you that we have some reasons, of course, to feel a little bit discouraged right now when we're not meeting, but we have a, a million reasons to be grateful for the goodness of the Lord in our lives. God has been so good to us. So I want to come back to the bread, the, the Eucharist as we were speaking of it. And I want you to think about what Jesus said, what Jesus said in the scripture that I read to you tonight. In Luke 22 that we went to earlier, I, this is the part I just want you to see very quickly if you have your Bibles. He said, with desire, in verse 15, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Before I suffer. He told them, take, eat, this is my body. The bread of the Passover represented the body and the suffering of Jesus. Yet, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, took the bread that represented suffering and spoke a blessing over it. How can you tell when a man's heart and life and flesh are submitted completely to the will of God in his life. It's when he learns how to bless things that feel like a curse. 
finding a way somehow, somehow to be blessed. In the midst of a season when it doesn't feel like you're being blessed, Jesus said, this body, this bread that you are about to partake of that represents brokenness, I, before I break it, I will bless it. How incredible is that? Being able to bless something that is going to bring brokenness in your life. The ability to take what others call a curse and say, I bless it. Turning curses into blessings. Turning sorrow into joy. Let us not forget tonight that we are a blessed people. If I could give you any direction in, in, in how to pray over this weekend as we lead into the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that I am not praying for increase in what I have. I'm praying that God would help me increase my thankfulness for what I already have. This Sunday morning for Easter Sunday, we sent a call out here just a little bit ago, but I'm extremely excited. At 1045, we're going to come together here at FPC. We're going to have church on the ground, not in the building, but in the parking lot. We have received all of the uh, requests of our government and our governor for the state of Indiana and we are doing our very best to comply with all of those things. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we can come together. I'm grateful that we can, that we can have time together. Do I want to be outside preaching in the parking lot and we've got an amazing building that we can have church together in? No, I, I don't. That's not my desire. But my desire is to be together with God's people. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to be together. I don't like the idea that the governor said that we want cars nine feet apart. We want windows rolled up. We don't want anybody getting out of their car. But you know what? Somebody Sunday morning is going to make an intentional effort to get up out of the bed, put your church clothes on, and make your way to the First Pentecostal Church, pull onto this parking lot, turn on your radio, and we will be streaming what we're, what we're singing and what we're preaching. I'm going to be outside with a microphone. We've got praise teamers, depending, depending on what the weather's going to do. But I'm going to be preaching outside. I don't care how cold it is. I'm going to preach outside so that I can see each and every one of you in your cars. We have an FM transmitter, so we're not blasting speakers through our neighborhood. And we are going to be transmitting our Sunday morning Easter resurrection service into your cars, crank up that radio, throw your head back, let the tears flow, clap your hands, rejoice together. We're going to have a move of God. We're going to have church this Sunday in the parking lot of the First Pentecostal Church, and we are going to give thanks to God Almighty for that opportunity. Because after all of the issues that we're having right now in this nation, we're in trouble. We've got a lot of things going on. But I am awful glad to be in a nation where I still have a right to be in a parking lot and have church. And when this rolls by and this is over and this is finished, I want the Lord to look at me and be well pleased and say, because you were grateful 
in difficult times. I'm going to bless you for your gratefulness. I will bless you because you blessed brokenness. That's what I want God to do. So Sunday morning, what we're encouraging you to do, I know we sent a call out, but what we're encouraging you to do is to get here just a few minutes early so that we can get you parked, and we're going to start right at 1045. There's no, no Bible class, uh, but at 1045, we're going to begin service, and uh, as I said, we'll be streaming over an FM transmitter so that everybody can hear it in their car. You can turn your car off and leave your radio on or whatever works for you. And uh, we're going to be singing, and we're going to be preaching, and uh, we're going to see what God will do. Now, Governor Holcomb has, has again, he has said that uh, he wants our doors, our doors closed, our windows rolled up, nobody going back and forth between cars, nobody getting out and fellowshipping. And so I'm, I'm asking you as, as pastor to, to honor that because we want to be able to meet again. So let's try to be good neighbors and, and play by the rules, but I don't know if anybody else is as happy as I am to just get to see our church family, just to see one another, to, to worship together, to look over at the car parked next to you and realize somebody else has been going through what you're going through and we've made it and the hand of God's still on us. I'm grateful for that. I can't wait for us to get together this Sunday. They told us we got to keep the doors closed, no bathrooms, so please take care of all that business before you come. We'll try to keep the service abbreviated to where you're not just dying in your car to use the restroom before you leave, but we're going to come together and have, we're going to have a time of worship. And I told, uh, I told some of our team today that we're setting up our sound systems and the things that we're going to need to, uh, to have church. I said, if it's cold and rainy and I've got to bundle up, I'm stepping outside. I'm going to preach. I'll take the wireless microphone outside and I'm going to, I'm going to preach and we're going to have Easter service. God's going to meet us here. And then before you leave, we're going to direct the traffic coming through so that everybody can leave in an orderly manner. And I and my family are going to pray over every one of you, the staff of this church. We're going to pray over every one of you. We're going to pray over your cars as you're passing by because it is time for the body of Christ to come together. We want you to be aware of that, that as your pastor, as the pastor of this assembly, I believe it's time for us to come together. And we're going to do that at 1045 on Sunday. So come be with us. Thank you for letting me spend a little time with you tonight. I'm grateful not only for the bread, the body, the blood, but I'm very, very grateful that on the third day, that which was broken was resurrected. And that's what we're going to celebrate together. I love this church. And I'm not just talking about, although I do love this local assembly, I love the church of the living God. I love my brothers and my sisters. I love what God is doing, the good reports that are coming in. And uh, I'm looking forward to being together with you again. So uh, please, please help us to be good neighbors. And uh, we're going to do this the right way. And uh, we are going to come together Sunday morning. 1045, in the parking lot, in your car, nobody else's car, in your car, and uh, we're going to worship the Lord. Let's pray together.
Father, I love you and I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your physical body that almost 2,000 years ago you suffered and bled and died and you went through an excruciating beating for me. I'm so thankful that you did not do that because I was perfect, because I had it all together. You did it because you are God and you are good. I am so very thankful for the spiritual body of Christ, for the family of God, for my brothers and my sisters that are watching this tonight, for our friends and family that are watching right now. God, we're grateful for your kindness to us. We do not want to be guilty of complaining about suffering when really we're not suffering. But God, let us be willing to be grateful over the things that we go through so that should we ever have to suffer for your name, we would be willing to do that and to count it an honor to, see, to suffer for your namesake, to go through things for your namesake. God, you've been really, really good to us. Help us to find a way to give thanks in all things, to find contentment in all things. Because you are a blessing God. You are a keeping God. You are a wonderful God. I plead the blood of Jesus that was shed on Calvary's hill over our church family tonight. We plead the blood of Jesus over this nation. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over our world. We bind every viral agent that has been released in the earth. We speak against every spirit of fear. We release peace in the name of Jesus that minds, O oh God, could have perfect peace and be stayed on you. I ask, O oh God, that you would give us boldness. Give us boldness to stand and be grateful for your hand that rests on us. Let us be, God, a people of faith that pray, read your word, and seek you, that chases after you, even in times of pandemic in the earth, God, you are still worthy of our praise. May we be as a psalmist and bless you at all times and your praise continually be in our mouth. Let us love you, Lord, with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and be faithful to the commandments of your word. We love you. and We bless you tonight, Jesus. Strengthen your people. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I love you, church. I love you. Thank God for you, and uh, I will see you on Sunday in the parking lot, 1045 at FPC, and uh, if you want to join us, you're welcome to. We will be in full compliance with regulations, and uh, it's going to be a great time. God's going to move. Wouldn't be surprised if somebody don't get the Holy Ghost. God doesn't do amazing things. So join us Sunday morning, 1045. I love you. We will still be live streaming. If you can't make it, uh, it's going to be good. I'll talk to you soon. Lord bless you.